When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away. Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're going to recap day number three of the NFL draft, rounds four through seven. And right now, to help me recap everything that went down, we bring in our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com. And I think it's like six o'clock in the morning where he lives in England. This poor guy's been burning the midnight oil all week. But it's because he truly loves the NFL draft and the Jets. Probably why we're going to be together in an old folks home in a padded room years from now, wondering where it all went wrong. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, thanks for coming back on the show, brother. And by that time, imagine how far back we'll have to go to try to figure out where it all went wrong because it feels like it started <laughs> decades ago and uh, and year after year, we just hope that they get this damn thing turned around. That is for sure. And in order to get it turned around, they had to make some moves in this draft to help their roster and continue to try and get it to where they need it to be. Their first pick today was after a trade down. The Jets had pick number 112. They moved down, and instead of picking at pick 112, they picked at pick 120 and grabbed Carter Warren, the offensive tackle from Pittsburgh. Carter Warren's an interesting case. This is a guy who a lot of people think was a day-two type of talent who got hurt earlier in the year, and that's what cost him. But he's a guy that is already a functional pass blocker. He's not an amazing run blocker if he was, Obviously, he'd have been picked higher, but the comparison that Brandon Thorne, who's one of the best out there when it comes to the offensive line, he does a newsletter called Trench Warfare, and if you haven't taken a look at it, you should if you're interested in the offensive line. He compared Carter Warren, who he thinks can be a swing tackle right away and then eventually develop into a potential starter on the offensive line. He compared him to Joe Noteboom. Now, if you don't know who Joe Noteboom is, Joe Noteboom was a third-round pick of the Rams in 2018, became a starter on that line, has started at both guard and tackle, eventually became the starting tackle there, and was starting when the Rams won the Super Bowl and just signed a three-year $40 million extension. So if Carter Warren can be anything close to that, good enough to justify that type of contract, huge win in the fourth round. Really like this pick, Glenn. I was hoping they'd stay put and pick Roshan Johnson. It wasn't to be, but once they traded down and they were able to get Carter Warren, I thought it was a very useful player at a position they really needed. 
I know he's a little older, and that's one of the themes that we've seen with Joe Douglas. He's not afraid to pick these older players. We used to make fun of Mike McCagnin for it, but I think the difference is Joe Douglas is drafting these older players, but the older players he drafts seems to be very high upside athletic guys. Wasn't always the case with Mike McCagnin, Carter Warren, 24 years old. So you prefer a younger guy, and they did get a younger guy with their next pick, which we're going to get into in a second. But I like this one. I think it's tough not to like it considering the value. As Brandon Thorne said, he should immediately be good enough to give you a decent swing tackle. And if Keith Carter does his job right, Carter Warren could potentially have a chance to compete for one of those tackle spots next year when you assume Dwayne Brown would no longer be here. Yeah, I think, listen, I like the player. I took the time to watch um, some of the sort of mid-round tackles a couple weeks ago, you know, as as it started to look like there was a chance or you just kind of started envisioning these worst-case scenarios where maybe one of the top tackles don't fall to the Jets. As it turns out, that didn't happen. So I was watching, you know, Bergeron, Freeland, who I liked, um, Jalen Lynch, and, and Carter Warren was one of the guys that I watched. And I came away thinking... You know, prototypical size, shows great feet, mirrors edge rushers really well. You know, guys that try to get outside, he does a really nice job there. Good, uh, you know, good kick, uh, kick slide when he's trying to get outside when guys are trying to loop around him. Not as strong as a run blocker. So, you know, that, that will need, uh, he'll need to work a little bit on that. But in terms of getting a guy, again, with the prototypical size, with a good feet, getting him this late in the draft as a, and I, you know, I said this when they took him, like, this guy is a potential future starter. Um, you know, in terms of the approach to the draft, how I feel about whether I thought they should be taking someone like that in that position is a different story. But just the player himself, um, I think he's a really good one. I think, again, he's got he's got an impressive skill set. And um, anyone who's – sorry, anyone who's saying that they view him as a guy who could start somewhere down the line because I've heard it in a few places and you know, I couldn't agree more. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. The next pick the Jets had was a pick in the fifth round. Remember, they had wheeled and dealed quite a bit, picked up extra picks. And so here in the fifth round, they grab Israel Abanacanda, the running back from Pittsburgh. Glenn, you had talked about him yesterday. I love this one. Explosive runner, big kid too, 6'1", 215. Perfect for this zone run scheme, which is exactly what you're looking for. And he's a different style of runner than Brees Hall. Brees Hall's more of that patient guy. He can break tackles. Abanacanda's a little bit different. He's more of an upright runner. He's not a tackle breaker or anything like that. The comparison that I saw, and this was courtesy of the godfather, Brian Bassett, if you look at Abanacanda's athletic profile, and by the way, 66 out of over a 1,000 running backs that have tested in the raw athletic score since 1987. So he's in rarefied air there. But if you look at the athletic profile, the size, the running style, he profiles fairly similarly to Tevin Coleman. And we know that Tevin Coleman did very well in this scheme in San Francisco. And he had a really nice career before that with the Atlanta Falcons, even with the Jets, to be honest, he was much better than we were expecting considering where he was at in his career. So to be a second running back, if Israel Banacanda can be anything close 
to what Tevin Coleman was in Atlanta, and you've got that type of duo, that's really good. Now, as Rich Semini reported, what this means is that with Ty Johnson gone, Bam Knight and Michael Carter will battle for the third running back spot. Some have suggested that all four might make the roster possible, but I think right now you would have to figure that Brees Hall and Israel Banikander are probably going to wind up being one and two on the depth chart at some point. And then Michael Carter battles it out with Bam Knight to see who's running back three. Crazy because there were some people before the Jets drafted Brees Hall that said the Jets don't need a running back. They've got Michael Carter. And then obviously last year, for whatever reason, some people think maybe he was still recovering from an injury. He wasn't running as effectively. He wasn't catching the balls effectively. And he was forgetting how to not fumble. So he fell out of favor. Bam Knight stepped in for a few games. He did well. And then he sort of fell off a cliff. So those two guys, neither one of them has anything guaranteed for themselves. But I love this pick, Glenn. I know you really do too. Those two guys, the bigger, quicker guys, Abanacanda and Brees Hall, have potential to be a really nice duo for quite a while here. Yeah, that was the pick. It's my favorite pick of the class. I I, I talked about how this, this front office, we've heard Joe Douglas, we've heard Robert Sala talk about how they want explosive plays and they want to be able to have these big chunk plays where guys can – do damage from anywhere on the field. That's exactly what a Banacanda brings. Especially we know that we know that Brees Hall is is as good as he is, but at what point is he gonna be himself, right? Like we know he's gonna be ready for week one, but guys aren't always uh, you know completely back for a little while when they're coming off of an injury like that. And even if he was, even if he was gonna be a hundred percent you know, from day one, why wouldn't you want two guys like this in your backfield? I think a Banacanda absolutely ends up taking that second that running back two spot and even though they didn't ask him to catch the ball out of the backfield a, a whole lot out of pit, from what I saw, he did, you know, he, he was fine catching the ball out of the backfield, did a nice job picking up the blitz, and really just all around a, a, a really good back who I'd said, you know, could be a top five back in this class when all is said and done. And I, you know, once, as I said yesterday, when we talked about day three prospects, the fact that Jets wanted Jameer Gibbs, I kind of looked at a Banacanda as like Jameer Gibbs light, like in terms of just being that guy who runs with enough speed and a nice little combination of speed and power, but who can just explode through the hole. And if you have one guy out of position, that's it. He's going to take it to the house. Running back's an interesting position, Glenn, because you may not necessarily get an elite running back if you wait until day three, but it's the one position where you can be fairly confident you can find guys that can be really good players at the position on day three. I don't think that's the case at any other position other than special teams like punter and kicker. The next pick the Jets made was in round six. Zaire Barnes, the linebacker out of Western Michigan. Can't say that I've watched much of him. I know that he's a good special teams contributor, so I'm sure that Brant Boyer will like that. Glenn, your thoughts on the Jets' first pick in the sixth round here, Zaire Barnes. Uh, listen, not a guy I can say I've seen a lot of, um, you know, despite the, the millions of hours of, of college ball I watched this year, uh, not a player I watched. So since they took him, I've, I've taken the chance to, to pull up as much of him as I can against small school guys. So there's not exactly a million hours of footage, but he looks like a guy who runs well, can cover good length. And, you know, I, I heard that mentioned by Sala or Douglas, um, when they talked about him a little bit after the pick. So, 
I would imagine a, a guy who early on is going to work on specials, but let's face it, this team has to get, they have to get faster in the middle of the field. And we, you know, we've talked about that. I don't know how they feel about Jamie and Sherwood. If they think he can be a guy that, you know, can, can really take over at some point when CJ Mosley moves on. But I said this on our show about an hour ago that my biggest concern for this defense is their ability to cover the middle of the field because they don't have a ton of speed there. And, um, is this a guy who they could be molding for that? But right now I wouldn't consider him anything more than a special teams guy who's going to be brought along later in the sixth round 20 picks later to be exact the Jets drafted Jarek Bernard Converse the cornerback slash safety from LSU the only thing I really know about him is that he's pretty versatile he can play a couple of different positions never a bad thing to have in the secondary Glenn your thoughts on the selection of Jarek Bernard Converse in the sixth round by the Jets well as you said you know i I'm I'm a big fan of versatility. You mentioned he played safety before moving to corner. Um, another athletic freak ran a four four at his pro day or four four two, something in that range. And which seems to be a theme here with all these Joe Douglas picks, right? He's he loves these guys who can who can move and just kind of have the, these rare skills, these rare skill sets. But f- from what I've seen, physical guy, he's not afraid to get in a guy in somebody's face, which I guess you would expect from a guy who has played some safety. Um deep balls he's able to track well, you know, deep down the field and coverage. So Fits the bill for what the Jets want if they're looking for a little bit of depth at corner and at safety. And I think, you know, there's a good chance, I would imagine, the Jets will give him a look at safety first because that is where there's a more pressing need. And I think he'll get a look at, uh, again, I, I think they like the idea of having a player who they can plug in in a bunch of different spots. And with the Jets' final pick, they grab Zach Kuntz, the tight end out of Old Dominion in the seventh round. This is a crazy pick. Because you watch Zach Kuntz and you look at his measurables and his athletic traits and you wonder how he made it all the way to the seventh round. Now, I know he played at Old Dominion, so it's not like he was going up against the top tier competition that a bunch of these other tight ends went up against. But still, he actually has on the raw athletic score, the number one score that any tight end has had over 1,600 tight ends since 1987 which means that since 1987, Zach Kuntz is technically the most athletic player at the tight end position to declare for the NFL draft. That's absolutely wild. I dug in on Zach Kuntz a little bit. Zach Kuntz transferred from Penn State to Old Dominion. Kuntz had two brothers that had both played wide receiver Penn State, and so they were expecting some big things from Zach Kuntz. He got there, but unfortunately for him, he was in the same class as Pat Fryermuth, and we all know what happened there. Fryermuth went on to become a very prolific tight end for Penn State, wound up getting drafted in the second round. And so there really wasn't much for Zach Kuntz. He fell behind on the depth chart. And when the offensive coordinator at Penn State got hired as the head coach at Old Dominion, he took Kuntz with him. He had him transfer. And so Kuntz went to Old Dominion and really started to get a chance to play. Now, it's crazy because he's six foot seven. 255 pounds, runs a 4-5-40. And Glenn, you and I were talking about this. He's very raw when it comes to technique, when it comes to route running. But he is the type of player that if he can be brought to even average technique, even average route running, this guy has a chance to be almost unguardable. Because what do you do with a guy that's six foot seven, 255 pounds, runs a 4-5-40, if he can run even adequate routes and if he has solid hands? There's almost no defense for a guy like that. So I think this is a great pick. I know he's a little older. He's 24 years old, but he's the type of player that if you trust your coaches, and in this case, it would be Ron Middleton, who I think we all like, to get this kid 
to where he needs to be. And again, you don't have to get him in Rob Gronkowski technique level. He's never going to be all that useful of a blocker, and he's certainly never going to be as clean of a receiver as Rob Gronkowski. But you look at the Jets' tight end room, and really, Jeremy Ruckert, we've seen nothing from him yet. Maybe there's hope. We'll see. C.J. Ozama sort of is what he is. He's a bit of a journeyman. I know everybody likes him because he's well-spoken. He's a leader, and he was on a Super Bowl-caliber team in Cincinnati. And the younger players look to him, but really, he's just an okay tight end. And Tyler Conklin's okay. He's a solid receiver, nothing special, solid route runner. Last year, he wasn't very good for the Jets, if we're being honest about it. A lot of drops, a lot of fumbles. Yeah. And if you look at it, you're not sure what the outlier year is because his last year in Minnesota, he was pretty good. Last year, he was much less good. So was the outlier that last year in Minnesota or was the outlier the year here with the New York Jets? So it's very possible that Zach Kuntz, if he has a good training camp, and does well in the preseason, could start to ascend on the depth chart. I like this pick a lot. I think it has potential to be a lot of fun. And if Zach Kuntz can become even a fraction of what his athletic upside suggests he can be, the Jets may have a gem in the making. You're talking about Zach Kuntz and that RAS score. Someone just put up on our forums, and I'm looking at it, all of the RAS scores collectively for all of the Jets picks. The lowest RAS. Now, it looks like they don't have one for whatever reason on Joe Tipman. They have no score for him, but for everybody else, they have a score. The lowest one on here is Zaire Barnes at 9.06. Every guy they took is at least a 9 on the RAS, which is really just absolutely nuts when you think about it because those are those are all elite scores and you look at some of these we some some past gms who shall not be named um and that was rarely the case a lot of plotting slower guys but uh getting back to zach coons i mean we like you said we talked about it earlier he's a guy that you look at and you wonder are they gonna are they gonna use him as a as a big slot like that that was kind of what i envisioned with some of the, the clips i was able to find of him beating guys deep down the field but I really, I honestly had heard, you know, when he had that, that perfect score on the RAS, that kind of made a little, a little blip of news back when it happened. And I remember hearing about it. And then Glenn, just the- it made, Glenn, it made so much news that he actually wound up as a guest on the Pat McAfee show, which is pretty big for a tight end from Old Dominion. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, but I, I kind of, I caught it and when he was drafted and I realized that he was the guy that, that posted that score, I thought, gee, like nobody rolled the dice on this guy a little bit earlier. Like there's nobody else that, that looked at this guy and said he is literally the most elite of the elite athletically at his position and no one rolled the dice earlier. So my God, if, if you're going to take a guy late, who's a project, is there a better guy to roll the dice on? I would argue no. Um, I think this puts Jeremy Ruckert on notice a little bit. But as you mentioned, the tight ends last year, we were excited they, that they were upgraded because the group they had before that and for so many years before that was so bad. Um, but I, I said when they signed Uzama, you know, I, I went back, I watched literally every single catch he had with the Bengals. And I just came away saying, I, I hope the Jets are going to use him in a different way because I didn't see him do anything that made me say, oh, wow. You know, a lot of it was just short, over-the-middle stuff, wide-open swing passes, you know, out in the flat, rollouts, dump it off to him. A lot of that. Um, and I just kind of said, well, maybe the Jets envisioned something different. But turns out, not a great pass catcher. Not a, you know, not somebody who's targeted a whole lot. But you do, you know, you like the personality. He seems like the guy you want in the locker room. But the the X factor becomes Conklin, and, and you said it perfectly. Um, is, which year was the was the, uh, the, the anomaly? Was it this year or last? Because he was really good with the Vikings last season. 
season or two seasons ago. And then last year with the Jets, he just, I mean, I think he eventually stopped dropping passes, but it went on for a good, you know, half season with the fumbles and the drops. And you just didn't know when he was going to get his act together. So if he can bounce back and become the guy he was two years ago and you have a guy like Coons and you have Ruckert on the roster, that's a, that's a pretty solid group. Glenn, the Jets are in the middle of a frenzy, just like every other NFL team trying to grab some of these undrafted free agents. I thought that Andrew Brandt, who was in the Packers front office for a long time, had a hilarious story. He talked about how he was negotiating a deal with an undrafted free agent, and he told the kid, okay, we'll give you a three-year deal with a $1,000 signing bonus. How does that sound? And the kid paused for a bit and then said, Mr. Brandt, I'm sorry, I only have $200 right now, but I can get you the rest later. And Brant laughed and said, no, kid, we pay you. We pay you. So it's kind of funny when you hear stories like that. A lot of these kids are hungry for an opportunity. They're looking to go to the spot that they think will provide them the best chance to eventually hook onto a roster. The Jets have already signed a bunch of guys. Can you go through the list, Glenn, of the undrafted free agents that the Jets have signed so far? Yeah, sure. Just kind of pulling names at what I'm, what I'm able to find here on Twitter. Um, I can throw a few out there. Caleb Johnson, linebacker from Miami. Not a guy I've seen a lot of, uh, as per usual with the Jets, they're grabbing some really small school guys. Not, you know, him not being the example, but Malik Hall, Southeastern Oklahoma State. Not going to pretend I watched a lot of Southeastern Oklahoma State this season. Um, the first few names that rolled in were a little bit unknowns to me. Uh, but the first name that popped up, who I'm really familiar with, Jason Brownlee from Southern Miss. He's a guy that I, uh, I tweeted out a few of his clips during the season he was my sort of I mentioned him as a guy who I thought might surprise at the combine he actually his 40 was pretty disappointing he ran in the low four fives I believe if not the mid four fives but I wouldn't let that worry me you know we say all the time the 40s aren't the be-all end-all but a good 40 can kind of put you on the on team's radars uh you look at him at Southern Miss guy made a lot of dynamic catches really good hands catching the ball in crowds you know balls that look like it's going to be an overthrow he you know he's making fingertip grabs good body control keeping himself in bounds so I liked, I liked Brownlee leading up to the draft. I thought he would be a day three pick. Obviously, he wasn't. He lands with the Jets. Travis Dye, another one, a running back. I first watched him last year when he was playing for Oregon. He then transferred to USC, did a really nice job at both schools. Smallish guy, but really productive. Does a good job picking up blocks or, or picking up blitzes as a blocker. Does does a nice job catching. Just sort of a well-rounded guy. Another guy who doesn't have elite speed, but plenty, you know, plenty speed to be a successful player in the league. Um, but you know, with this running back roster, he's going to have a, a hell of a job making, you know, finding a way to stick a lot of linebackers uh, and the third linebacker, uh, Claude and Cheryless from Alcorn state. Um, all I can tell you is that his name is Claude and Cheryless and he played at Alcorn state. Um, you know, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to watch him yet. That'll be my, my homework for the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, wide receiver, uh, Xavier Gibson, a guy that reportedly, let's see, um, trying to find the info on him that they they had in for a, a 30 visit so he was a guy that obviously they liked before the process and had him in there's supposed reportedly uh trey dean the safety from florida now he's a guy that i liked and liked him last year he i talked about him a little bit as a guy that i thought the jets might take in last year's draft when it looked like he might come out he ended up staying at school I thought his 40 time would hurt him a lot. He ran, I think, in the four sevens, if I'm not mistaken, high four sixes, which again, not to be all end all, but it's tough to, you know, convince teams you're going to be able to, to stick with guys at this level at that speed. But 
He's a he, he anticipates well. He's a good defender. He uh, actually had the game-ending interception at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, and I you know I knew he'd end up with a team somewhere. wasn't sure if he would be a day three guy or undrafted. He ends up undrafted. Goes to the Jets. Physical guy. Um, you know. I think given the the safety situation on this team, he's one of those guys that has a chance to hang around. Brett Lang out of Minnesota Duluth, couldn't tell you. Uh, again, even finding highlights on some of these guys is going to be pretty difficult. And uh, Xavier Gibson, who I mentioned out of Stephen F. Austin, was apparently um, a guy who the Jets had to outbid several teams, and he got a pretty decent bonus. I think they said... Um, was it? I, I'm not even going to say the number because I think I think it might be wrong. But he basically some of these guys I've seen the Jets bring guys in. They literally it's almost insulting. They brought a guy in a few years ago and gave him like a six hundred dollar bonus. I'm like, you can't give somebody a grand. Like, come on, like just get that fourth digit up there for for the person's you know for their uh, showing a little bit of respect. But he, he's apparently he's the only one that I've seen, and I've seen a couple of sources report it that. Um, that they had to outbid and, and give him pretty big money for a UDFA. I did have a chance to just, just go watch quickly some of his highlights and he smallish guy, not, you know, not, not a big body receiver. Looks like he's probably five ten, five eleven, but, um, West coast type guy, smallish, quick, uh, makes guys miss again from what I've seen so far. So more to watch on him. And I think that's, uh, that's all I've seen so far. Oh, oh no, sorry. TJ Luther, um, is another, again, another wide receiver who they brought in and actually I'm trying to remember that's the Gardner Webb that this is the guy I was trying to think of EJ Jenkins he is a guy I have seen some of athletic again another athletic tight end they're listing him as a wide receiver I had him as a tight end in my notes when he played at Georgia Tech um showed really good hands at times but you know kind of figured he wasn't going to be a draftable player he wasn't he lands with the Jets but as I said they're listing him as a wide receiver there are some who feel that he may be a tight end and actually I'm sorry it says right here at the end of this note um, perform well at pro day could convert to tight end that was kind of where where I viewed him and I think that is it I think that's all that's out there right now that I can find there may be more to come so uh, we'll just have to wait and see Glenn I'll add to that one thing I do know about that Alcorn State player that the Jets grabbed is that he shares an alma mater with the late great Steve McNair I will also add that the Jets getting a guy from Stephen F. Austin is funny to me because all I can think of is a Budweiser and oh hell yeah for Stone Cold Steve Austin every time I hear Steve there you go. Austin. Let's talk about what was said in the pressers because all these players had the opportunity to talk to the press after getting drafted. Carter Warren called himself a physical dominant player, also said that his knee is 100%. Israel Abanacanda spoke. He said, quote, when I see green, I know I'm going to score. He talked about his 300-yard game against Virginia Tech. Quote, I was just feeling it. I was in that vibe. Zaire Barnes, who was one of the Jets' sixth-round picks, spoke. He said, quote, I'm going to run the ball, play with a lot of heart. I'm someone who's great in coverage and stout in the run game. Jarek Bernard Converse, the defensive back from LSU, also spoke, and he talked about how versatile he is and how he believes he can play anywhere in the secondary at the NFL level. Joe Douglas talked about Zach Kuntz said that Kuntz has, quote, the freak factor they were looking for in the seventh round makes sense. Douglas pointed out that if not for Carter Warren and Zach Kuntz's injuries last year, he believes they'd have been drafted much higher. I think that's probably true. I forgot to mention, too, Glenn, that Kuntz only played a couple of games before getting hurt for the rest of the season at Old Dominion, which is part of the reason he slid to the seventh round. But still, you are 100% correct. Anybody with that type of athletic profile, you would think somebody would have taken a chance on him before the seventh round. 
Robert Sella was asked about getting a Hall of Fame quarterback this week and what it feels like. His reaction was to get up, walk over to Joe Douglas, and give him a big bear hug. Glad that they're comfortable enough with each other to do that. Joe Douglas mm-hmm. was asked about Quan Alexander. He said, quote, we're keeping the door open to adding good players at any position, including the linebacker position. So that's really nothing. That's just saying, hey, anybody that's good will think about it. I'm sure that for the right price, Quan Alexander could probably come back the same way that Connor McGovern came back on the cheap. And now the Jets have an option there at center that they didn't have before. Perhaps Quan Alexander ends up being that for the Jets at linebacker. Zach Kuntz spoke, said, He's, quote, all good now with his knee injury, had surgery on his kneecap last season, and hasn't had any issues with it to this point. And I will say, Glenn, there's a great video with Zach Kuntz talking about his workout regimen and how he had been rehabbing his injury. He wasn't even supposed to be at the combine to work out because he'd had that surgery and they didn't think he was going to be medically cleared. He was medically cleared, and then he went on to break all these records at the combine for tight ends. And that was straight off an injury. So that really speaks to what Joe Douglas said before, that Zach Kuntz has, quote, the freak factor. So, Glenn, your thoughts on what was said by all of the prospects, as well as Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. Yeah, you know, it's it's so much fun to watch Sala and, and Douglas interact. I think I can't remember the last time. They had a, a a head coach and a GM with this with this type of relationship and with this type of personality. I mean, I think there was some I think there was some some uh, I think there was some good chemistry between like Mangini and Tannenbaum, but you know, just not this not the chemistry plus the personality. Um, and I you know it, it's been a, a joy watching them. I did see that clip of of Salah giving Joe D a hug, and I mean, it, what a relief for them! Like they've got to be. They say there's no there's no off season really for these guys, but they've got to be looking forward to a little bit of time off after what's been a crazy couple of months. And uh, getting the update from Koontz on his knee that's encouraging. And you know, again, for a guy to bounce back from injury that quickly is not something you really expect. But some of these guys, again, freak athletes, and they they sometimes their bodies the way they just recover from from injuries from trauma is just not what you get from a normal person. These recovery times are far quicker than they would be for for your average human being. So, you know, it's it's draft time. Everyone's happy to be here. Everyone's saying the right things and everyone's excited to get working and the fans are excited to see these guys, you know, in uniform and on the field. It'll it's going to feel like an eternity between now and then, you know, once the draft wraps up and this everything dies down for a little while. But it's it's you know, it's exciting times and these are these are some young players who again whether you, you know, whatever their role may be this season is up for, you know, that may be up for debate, but I think they did they got a really solid group of players. Glenn, let's go through rounds four through seven. We're not going to do every single pick. We're just going to hit on the ones that strike us. So I'll go through the ones that were notable to me. Glenn will comment on what I say, and we'll also add in some of the ones that he thought were notable that maybe I didn't mention. The first one that really struck me was the Eagles trading up to take another Georgia Bulldog. And by the way, speaking of Georgia Bulldogs, the Eagles also traded for DeAndre Swift, former Georgia running back. They gave up a fourth-round pick to get him from the Lions. So the Eagles get their running back, and then in the draft, they trade up, get another Georgia player, Keely Ringo, the cornerback. What a steal this is. I think he may end up playing safety in the pros, but either way, this is a guy that a lot of people thought had second-round talent. He slipped. I think part of it is because he did struggle in man coverage a bit, but with the right coaching and sitting behind the right players. And look, Philly's got James Bradbury, and they've got Darius Slay. It's a great spot for him. Blake Freeland, who we had talked about, goes to pick after that. Ringo went at 105. Freeland at 106. 
the tackle at a BYU, great athleticism, could have been an interesting project for Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, and Keith Carter, but they ended up not getting him because he went before they had a chance to pick him. Not sure that they would have anyway, but he was gone before they came up on the board. Dewan Jones stays in Ohio. He goes to the Browns at number 111. He's a really good player. It's just there's a lot of concerns about his work ethic, his eating habits, all of that. That's why he dropped. If the Browns can motivate him and get the best out of him, he and Jedrick Wills could be a really nice combination for a long time. So that's a good pick there. Roshan Johnson goes at number 115 to the Bears. I love that pick. I'm a big Roshan Johnson fan, 6'1", 220 pounds. And I think he would have gotten a lot more attention if B. John Robinson wasn't in that backfield with him. Might have gone higher. I think that's a steal for the Bears. A really good replacement for David Montgomery. Ventrell Miller, the inside linebacker from Florida, goes to the Jaguars. He stays in state at number 121. Jake Hayner, who I thought was one of the more interesting day three quarterback prospects in this draft from Fresno State. He goes at 127 to the Saints. So he'll sit behind Derek Carr. Stetson Bennett goes one pick later. Stetson Bennett, of course, Heisman finalist, two-time national champion at the University of Georgia. He goes at pick number 128 to the Rams. So he will sit there behind Matthew Stafford, get some tutoring from Sean McVay. Not a bad place to be. Charlie Jones, a pretty good slot receiver from Purdue, who had some really nice performances this past year. He goes at number 131 to the Cincinnati Bengals. Nate Herbig's brother, Nick, the linebacker from Wisconsin, Goes at 132 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Aiden O'Connell was the last pick in the fourth round, number 135 out of Purdue, the quarterback. That's another one that I thought was intriguing. He goes to the Raiders, so he will sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Moving around five, Clayton Toon and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, two quarterbacks picked back-to-back. Toon, the quarterback out of Houston, goes at number 139 to the Arizona Cardinals. Dorian Thompson-Robinson of UCLA, big arm. Really athletic, but needs some development. He goes at 140 to the Browns, so he'll sit behind Deshaun Watson. Jamie Robinson, the safety from Florida State, goes at number 145 to the Carolina Panthers. Noah Sewell, the linebacker from Oregon, goes at number 148 to the Chicago Bears. Servassier Dennis, the linebacker out of Pittsburgh, goes at number 153 to our old friend Todd Bowles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oligan Olawami. I believe that's how you say it. The center for Michigan goes at number 154 to Seattle. I like that one a lot. I think that's really good value. Dontavion Wicks, the wide receiver mm-hmm. out of Virginia. I have my eye on him at late potential pick for the Jets. He goes at 159 to the Packers. So the Packers drafted two tight ends, and then they grab a wide receiver as well. Antonio Johnson, the safety out of Texas A&M, goes at 160 to the Jaguars. At one point, people thought he might be a second-round pick. Will Mallory, the tight end out of Miami, goes at number 162 to the Indianapolis Colts. Jaron Hall, quarterback at a BYU, goes to the Minnesota Vikings at 164. Henry Tutu, the linebacker from Alabama, goes at 167 to D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans. So an Alabama connection there. Owen Popo, the linebacker from Auburn, goes at number 168 to the Arizona Cardinals. Chris Smith, who I thought might be an interesting player for the Jets, the safety from Georgia, goes at 170 to the Raiders. I heard that the Eagles have officially protested. They said they should have had dibs on every single Georgia player, so we'll see what the league office says about that. (laughs) Payne Durham, the tight end from Purdue, goes at number 171 to the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Giants grab Eric Gray, the running back from Oklahoma, at number 172. Warren McClendon, the tackle 
from Georgia. Again, I think there's a protest going on with the Eagles. We'll see how that turns out. At number 174, he goes to the LA Rams. Moving along to the sixth round, JL Skinner, a player I really liked, versatile safety, and a guy that very well could have gone in the second round if he didn't have that pec surgery out of Boise State. He goes at number 183, one pick out of the Jets to the Denver Broncos. Parker Washington, a quick and shifty slot receiver out of Penn State, goes at number 185 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jalen Duncan, who, Glenn, I know was one of your favorite players in this draft, (laughs) the offensive tackle out of Maryland, goes at 186 to the Tennessee Titans. Keyshawn Boutte, the wide receiver out of LSU, goes at 187. My friend Reggie, that broke his heart. He really wanted... Keyshawn Boutte to go to the New York Giants instead. Luke Whipler, a player that I suggested the Jets should have considered drafting here in the sixth round with the pick that they used on Zaire Barnes. Figure you could have taken Whipler, had him as the center next year with Joe Tipman as a guard. Would have been a really nice future move. Great value at this point. You have to wonder what made Luke Whipler drop mm-hmm. here all the sixth round. Center from Ohio <laughs> State. He goes at 190. He stays home in Cleveland as well. So Whipler and Dewan Jones stay together and they stay in the state of Ohio. Trey Palmer, very fast wide receiver out of Nebraska. Good return man too. He goes to the Bucks at number 191. A.T. Perry, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest, goes at number 195 to the New Orleans Saints. Jarrett Patterson, who at one point last year, people thought might be a really high draft pick. He ends up going all the way at number 201 out of Notre Dame to the Houston Texans. Xavier Hutchinson, a wide receiver that I really liked, went one pick after the Jets took Jarek Bernard Converse at 204. He also would have preserved the Jets' pension for bringing in Iowa State players. He goes at number 205, the wide receiver, to the Houston Texans. After I looked at his raw athletic score, even though I really wanted Xavier Hutchinson to be a Jet, it looked like his profile just didn't fit prototypical Joe Douglas player. Deuce Vaughn, the running back out of Kansas State, small but quick and elusive guy. He goes at number 212 to the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought this was funny. Apparently, Darren Sproles, who Vaughn has been compared to a lot, not just because they have similar athletic traits, similar builds, but also went to Kansas State. He apparently called Deuce Vaughn after the draft, congratulated him and said, you got to go out there and kill it and keep the short running backs hope alive in this league. So I thought that was pretty amusing. Zach Evans, the running back from Ole Miss, goes at 215 to the Los Angeles Rams. A punter comes off the board at number 217. Remember, the Bengals took Zach McPherson, the kicker out of Florida, in the fifth round a couple of years ago. Now they pick a punter at number 217, the last pick in the sixth round, Brad Robbins out of Michigan. Michigan having their punter and their kicker drafted. Remember, Michigan's kicker was drafted in the third round by the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. Moving along to the seventh round, Jalen Jones, the cornerback out of Texas A&M, goes at number 221 to the Indianapolis Colts. DeMarco Hellams, the safety out of Alabama, goes at 224 to the Atlanta Falcons. Andrew Voorhees, the very talented guard who's recovering from a really bad knee injury, going to have to miss an entire year. That's what dropped N'Kobe Dean last year all the way to the third round. Everybody knew he wasn't going to play his first year. He goes to the Baltimore Ravens at number 229. Of course, he went to a team like the Baltimore Ravens, a smart organization that understands the value of long-term investments. As you said yesterday, Glenn, especially now that he went to the Ravens, I have no doubt that he's going to have a really nice career in the NFL. Max Duggan, the quarterback from TCU, 
Goes in number 239 to the L.A. Chargers. Corey Trice, the cornerback from Purdue, goes at 241 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Anthony Johnson Jr., another player out of Iowa State. The safety goes at 242 to the Green Bay Packers. Isaiah Bolden, the cornerback out of Jackson State, goes at 245 to the New England Patriots. Ronnie Bell, the wide receiver from Michigan, goes at number 253 to the San Francisco 49ers. Alex Forsythe. This was kind of crazy. I thought Forsyth might go somewhere in the third, fourth round. He's the center out of Oregon. Lasts all the way to the third to last pick at number 257. He goes to the Denver Broncos. And Mr. Irrelevant ends up being Dejon Johnson, the defensive end out of Toledo. He goes number 259 to the LA Rams. So, Glenn, those were my highlights in terms of who was picked in rounds four through seven. Your thoughts? on the players that I highlighted and are there any other players that you thought were worth mentioning that I might've glossed over? Yeah, I'll probably uh, throw in a couple of names here. I mean, I agree with the, the Keely Ringo thing. He was, you know, he was projected very early on. I, I remember him getting some first round buzz, um, <clears throat> which I thought was, um, I, I can't remember which, uh, which analyst I was listening to about a month and a half ago. And they said what you, what you just said, they, uh, they kind of knocked him a little bit and said, I don't know that he has the man skills to be a corner and he may end up getting himself moved over to safety, which is what seems to be, uh, what a lot of people are thinking. And, and we'll see where that goes. But Blake, Fre- Blake Freeland to the Colts, who he just dis- to the Colts, who we discussed. I think I'm forgetting how to use words because I've, I've used too many of them, um, <laughs> over the last few days. <laughs> so much talking. Um, Adabore, Adatomiwa, Adabore. The, uh, the first name I've heard people take the shortcut and call him Tommy Adebore. Um, <laughs> so I, that, I guess that's another way to do it. But look, 110 to the Colts, so explosive, so powerful. I think he can be a really good player. Clark Phillips, I don't think you mentioned him, the cornerback out of Utah. I thought he would go earlier than he did. And in fact, you know, I kind of wondered at some point with the Jets, would there be a move to move down and, and, and grab a, grab a player or grab a corner and add some depth there? Sort of a, a, a higher profile guy like that. Um, Patriots take Sidey Sow out of Eastern Michigan. I'm starting to wonder if Bill Belichick just doesn't like going where other people are. So he only scouts at schools where there's nobody else will be there. Um, and this is how he ends up taking some of these guys. Um, but also all joking aside, I've never seen the guy play, but if I'm not mistaken, the Patriots took like three interior linemen after taking Cole Strange last year. Um, I could be wrong about that, but glancing at their, I remember glancing at their picks and saying like, is that their third interior lineman? Um, speaking of interior lineman, John Gaines goes to Arizona out of UCLA. He's a guy who played guard. Uh, he played both guard spots, both tackle spots and center at UCLA. I think he may have to get a little bit stronger, but a versatile guy who moves really well. You talked about Jake Hayner. He was one of my guys coming out of, uh, you know, early this season. Dylan and I did our, our, you know, name your, your guy you're going to pound the table for. He was my guy pre senior bowl. He ends up winning the senior bowl MVP. And, um, this is kind of where I thought he'd go. I thought he'd be a third, fourth round pick. Tyler Lacey, another one. He went earlier than I expected, but a versatile guy. Again, one of those, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Although if watching some of his film from the previous year, he did a better job of getting to the quarterback, but he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, Jacksonville snags him. And you talked about Charlie Jones having a couple, a couple of good performances. I think he had a ton. I, th- I think he went over 100 yards, something like six, seven weeks in a row. He had a monster season. Nick Herbig. It's funny Nick Herbig lands with the Steelers. I tweeted this out because I had tweeted earlier in the year when the Jets got Nate Herbig. I said, Nick Herbig's one of my favorite linebackers in this class. The Jets should try to reunite them next year. And as it turns out, the Jets let, N- let Nate Herbig walk. He signs with the Steelers, and now they reunite them in Pittsburgh. Really good player there. 
Um, Aiden O'Connell, he lands with the Raiders and it, he's a quarterback with the Jets had in, which by the way, um, while we, while you were talking, uh, I saw a tweet that the Jets have added undrafted free agent quarterback Tim Demerat from Fordham. It's a player I've not seen because again, such a small school, but I've heard him talked about quite a bit. Um, athletic, quick release, all this stuff. I'm not going to try to speak about a guy I've not seen, but, um, the Jets do add a quarterback. So we'll, we'll, uh, get some, get some film watched on him here in the next couple of days. Again, another one of my guys, Yasir Abdullah. He goes to the top of the fifth round to the Jaguars. Really was hoping he was a guy the Jets would take a look at. But once they went edge early on, I figured he wouldn't go. Dorian Thompson Robinson, good landing spot for him in Cleveland because that guy just, he, he needs some polish, but that dude just has an absolute cannon of an arm and at, at, has the wheels, you know, that you wanted a, a modern day quarterback. If he, you know, if he breaks contain, gets outside and, and everybody's covered, he's going to beat you in, with his legs and, and pick up a, you know, I'm trying to remember who it was. He had a, I believe a 70 yard touchdown and, and, uh, one of the more recent games I watched against, I think it was against UCLA and he had, that was one of his worst games as a passer. He had a few picks, but, um, again, developmental quarterback with some incredible sort of off the charts tools between arm strength and, and, uh, athleticism. Sean Clifford goes to Penn State. I think the Jets had him in for a visit too. Um, a couple picks later, Mike Morris goes to Seattle, Michigan product, who I like as a versatile piece. I think he can probably, he doesn't have ideal size to play inside, but I think he's bulky enough and strong enough that he can and you'll also see him play on the outside a little bit so he's a guy that they'll probably use him in a in a variety of roles so Vassier Dennis I may have mentioned yesterday I can't remember we went over so many guys but uh, again another all-around guy like he blitzes well he covers well sound tackler he's just one of those guys you want who can do a lot of things at a, at a high level for you Dontavian Wicks you mentioned he was another guy that I, I was watching closely unfortunately uh he goes there Will Mallory Indianapolis Colts take him. They took a few players I liked. Mallory was a, you know, a, a tight end who I had, a, I think I mentioned him yesterday as well. Uh, won't beat that to death. Just an athletic guy who can probably, you know, make plays down the field. Payne Durham, he was one of my guys going into the senior bowl. Tampa Bay Buccaneers end up with him. He's a guy who can block. He can catch. And really, really physical guy, like nasty blocker. Eric Gray, the Giants took a couple guys I like. Um, with, uh, you know, taking John Michael Schmitz yesterday, Eric Gray today, Eric Gray, I mentioned yesterday, another, another all around really good player. And they get him in, you know, they get him in the fold at running back out of Oklahoma. So, uh, round six, you mentioned JL Skinner. I liked him a lot too. I still, it, it's a weird, like I liked a lot of the safeties in the class, but my thing was I'd, I'd like to see the Jets get one of these guys as an undrafted free agent. They end up landing Trey Dean. Um, Jason Taylor, the guy who I really wanted ends up going in the seventh round. We'll get to him later. You mentioned Parker Washington. Couldn't agree more. Really quick guy. Uh, you know, ideal slot player that somebody we discussed on our show was a, a possible Jets target. And Keishon Butte is the guy you worry about in New England because he's just huge boom or bust, right? We don't know what happened in, in LSU. He comes into the year as one of the top receivers in the country, does almost nothing, has a hard time even staying on the field, says he's going to go back to school, then turns around at the last second, says, I'm entering the draft. And you're just kind of wondering, like, what the heck is going on with this guy? Uh, but the talent is undeniable. So if they can get him and get his head on straight, he could be a real factor there. Couldn't agree with you more on Luke Whipler. Um, again, Probably not an approach I would take, but in looking at the approach the Jets, the Jets did take, they were clearly happy with drafting guys that would sit. If that's the case, then why not go get a Whipler? And as you said, you know, pl- play him at center, try Tipman at guard, something along those lines. Just, just from a, from a pure value standpoint, why not? 
Um, Washington commanders get Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky, an absolute battering ram at running back. He's a lot of fun to watch. And Derek Carr gets a nice weapon in A.T. Perry, one of the taller uh, receivers in this class. I believe he checked in at around 6'5 and used every bit of it on, on game day. Really good player. Uh, agree whole, uh, wholeheartedly, Jarrett Patterson. He was getting a lot more attention last year than he did this year. Um, and he's a guy, again, another guy with the, the sort of positional versatility. He's played a variety of different roles. Um, Dante Stills, a D tackle out of West Virginia went at 213. I was curious to see where he would go because early in the year, like going back to last year, he first stood out to me. I sort of, you know, made note of him as a, as a player to watch. Great motor, really strong, plays inside for uh for West Virginia and he ends up he ends up going to the Cardinals. I saw him in a lot of mocks like undrafted and I just kept looking at it. I'm going there's no way this guy's not getting picked. So I was like either either these draft projectors are way off or I'm way off and I was hoping to see him go, you know, to, to finally get picked by somebody and he does. He goes there. D Winters, I'll tell you what. If you if you turned on the uh Michigan TCU game, the playoff game, and only watch that game, you would think D. Winters was going to be the first pick in the draft. I mean, he was unbelievable. Interception, pick six, several tackles for loss, several sacks. And I mean, all of all, some of it unblocked, but I mean, the reason he was able to do it wasn't so much missed assignments. They just had him blitzing, and you'll never see a guy time a blitz better. And he just did it again and again and again. I watched that game, and I thought, this guy he must not be coming out this year because otherwise I'd be hearing about him as a first rounder. Um, and then I looked, I saw he was coming out. I think he just had the game of his life that day. Watch D winters against Michigan and absolutely mind blowing performance. Uh, Antoine green out of North Carolina saw quite a bit of him this year because uh, you know, I, I do like some of the, the NC players. Um, Victor Green's son is a running back uh, for North Carolina who had a really nice year for himself. And uh, Antoine green's a player who, had a good year for North Carolina as well. He goes to the Lions. And then, of course, Zach Koontz, we've covered. Dwayne McBride was a guy the Jets had in, but he ends up going to the Minnesota Vikings. DeMarco Hellman's. the Alabama product, again, was a safety that I looked at and thought, if he's there in round seven or UDFA, go make a run at him. Cooper Hodges, he's, his name came up, and I thought, man, I haven't, you know, throughout the course of the year, you're, you're watching like a million players. And sometimes you just forget about these guys. And his name popped up, and I thought, oh, he was. I really liked him at right tackle at uh, App, App State. I think they were saying he might move to guard. But I'll tell you, you talk about a a a road grader, like a mauler in the run game. That's Cooper Hodges all day long. Um, I like that pick for them there. We talked about Voorhees. I said yesterday, that's that's my perfect scenario. The Jets to get so, to be so good that they can start picking guys who they know won't play for a year, um, but they're just good enough talents that they're worth having, even if you have to, you know, stash them on IR. Uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, really big-bodied guy on the inside from Arizona State. Um, another guy in, in wondering if the Jets would add interior defensive line to pair with Quinn and Williams. I wondered if Nesta Jade Silvera might be that guy. He ends up going to the to the Raiders. Talked about my guy, Jason Taylor. He went to the Rams. Um, leaving the Jets again, you know, to, to pick up a, a safety as, as UDFA and Trey Dean. Uh, but another safety, you mentioned Anthony Johnson out of Iowa State, big time hitter. I was, I watched a, one of his, one of his games that I saw a few weeks ago and he had one of those great sequences. Like every now and then you see a sequence where 
the same guy on defense gets the stop on every single play. And he had one of those monster sequences and it was at the goal line. So it was like three consecutive plays, three consecutive tackles prevented the touchdown and, uh, and, you know, forced a field goal. Anthony Johnson cover skills are a little bit suspect, but big time hitter. And, um, think that wraps. Oh, Braden Willis. I did want to talk about him. The tight end from Oklahoma. Um, absolutely. He just plays with that old school mentality can catch the ball, you know, does a fine job as a receiver, but it's blocking where he makes his money and he just, he just, he just wants to hurt people. And there, there's plays you see where he just doesn't stop. You know, once he's got somebody blocked, he's looking for the next guy to block and he'll, he'll pick up two, three blocks on one play. And, you know, those are the types of plays you need to spring big runs, right? Like if you can have one offensive player neutralizing two or three, that's going to give your running back or your receiver, whoever a chance to make a play. Braden Willis does that. I think he's going to be a really good fit in San Francisco. Glenn Naughton, the editor at JetNation.com. Thanks so much for coming on and helping me recap all the happenings of day number three of the NFL draft. Really appreciate it. Can't believe the 2023 NFL draft is finally in the books. Seems like we had been waiting for so long, and now it is finally come and gone. Really looking forward to seeing how these players turn out here for the Jets and for all the other teams in the NFL. Glenn, for those that want to check out your work over at Jet Nation and follow you on social media, what are they going to see at JetNation.com, and how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, check out the forums at JetNation.com, most active independent Jets message board on the web. We've been up and running for 18 years or so now. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AceFan23, A-C-E-Fan23. And uh, my partner, Dylan Terriman, D underscore Terriman. We're live Thursday nights at 6.30 talking Jets. Friday nights, myself and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network has recently come over, and we cover Jets and the Draft. And uh, – and- Follow us on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Jet Nation. I, you know, just whenever I feel like it, if there's a new story breaking, if I have a thought that I think is worth sharing, we'll throw up a, you know, 15, 20 minute video. And sometimes it's a, you know, we do our full one hour episodes. Make sure to check out everything that Glenn is doing over at JetNation.com. Check out everything we've got going on over at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under. Luke Grant has some awesome All-22 breakdowns up there, including Jets first round pick, Will McDonald. Jets second round pick, Joe Tipman. More are coming, but the hot one right now is Zach Kuntz, the Jets seventh round pick, the tight end out of Old Dominion. If you want to watch those videos and much more, go to youtube.com slash play like a jet. Subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinnen Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the play like a jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 